I think you just have to be really careful about what you consume and take ownership over the fact that you can control what you see. Yeah. You can mute, you can unfollow, you can like, but, but it comes back to this self-awareness of being able to stay in your body and tap into how do I feel when, when I see that person's post? This is the Alchemized Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna. Transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. Friends, welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. Ava Johanna here, and this is officially the first intro that I'm recording in 2020. I am so excited to be past the holidays and in that new year vibe. And I know a lot of us can feel inundated with the new year, new you vibes. But as I mentioned in a recent post on Instagram, what if we just looked at this as an opportunity to shed the layers of doubt? limiting beliefs and the past stories that actually prevented us from being more of our authentic selves. Like the youest of you that gets to have it all. You know, like the you that doesn't get caught up in stories or the you that makes all the money doing something she loves, not something that makes you groan every time you open your inbox or jump on a call. Or what about the you that believes she is worthy of a spectacular life, a fulfilling career, and a love like no other? I know it sounds cheesy, but I got to say, I look at my life right now as a serious walking testimonial for all of the work that I preach on here and in conversation with the countless guests that come on, including the beautiful Danica Brysha that's coming on today. And over the past month, I've had kind of one of those quantum shift moments that I've alluded to throughout the past couple of months where all of the stuff that you read, all of the podcasts you listen to, all of the spiritual work finally clicked. And it feels so good, you guys. Honestly, I feel like I'm a new person and I'm so excited over the coming weeks and months to share more of this with you so you too can take these practices and drum roll, please, alchemize your life. I had to throw that in. <laughs> For those of you that are ready to dive in deeper, I'm really, really excited and honored because I am now accepting applications for my 2020 VIP coaching program for spiritual business babes. This is truly for healers, teachers, and coaches that are ready to step up their game in 2020, shift from a place of acting out of hustle to acting out of alignment. We don't have time anymore to take a thousand different steps in a thousand different ways and not know what's working. We want it to be quick, efficient, and flowy and feel good. This is for the woman that is ready to get compensated massively for your gifts and get out of the stuck mentality that has kept you in the same place for months on end. The program itself is four months long and includes tons of fun added bonuses. You basically become a VIP member of all of the things, including courses, live events, and so much more. So if this is something that is screaming your name and you can stand much longer 
really a minute longer in the constant state of, should I do this? Or how am I going to pay my bills this month? Or I really don't want to do this, but a girl's got to eat. Then head to the show notes to apply. Seriously, you guys, we are meant to be paid massively for our gifts. We're here in service. We're here to build something that is from our heart space that doesn't only change our lives and our loved ones' lives, but the lives of so many people around us. You know, that is why all of us are on this planet is so we can collectively rise up together. And my intention with all of my work is to support you in awakening that knowing from inside of you. So again, if you are totally looking to step up this year and you can't stand being in the same place for a minute longer, I cannot wait to support you and welcome you into this sisterhood. It's been such a beautiful journey through my mentorship program and I cannot wait to see all of the incredible women that are coming into this program. So let's jump into the conversation today. Danica Breisha is a lifestyle design and self-care expert, founder and CEO of Model Meals, a healthy meal delivery business, and the creator of the Brunch Series, Wellness Events, and 2018 US Tour, plus an IMG Curve model. Oh, she's so freaking gorgeous and such a light. Danica's mission in life is to help others to live their fullest possible lives. She speaks openly about her recovery from food addiction and disordered eating and teaches workshops centered around using self-care daily to create the life of your wildest dreams. You guys know I love this. In today's episode, we talk all about embracing your struggle as a part of your journey and really using each and every experience as fuel for the flame of your soul. We talk about acceptance of self and owning your authenticity. This is especially potent for those of you that are looking to get more vulnerable on social media in the new year. We also talk about addiction in all of its many forms and of course, Danica's journey creating model meals and how she went from moving back into her parents' garage to creating a life and business she loves. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as we've got tons of incredible interviews on the horizon with thought leaders like the financial gems, Shannon McClay, top downloaded and listener favorite, Miss Lauren Zander, and of course, solo episodes from yours truly. And if you're feeling like giving us a shout out on social, you know how much your girl likes hearing from you. Make sure to tag the podcast at The Alchemized Life and at Danica Breisha so we can give you lots of love and repost all of your stories. All right, you guys, let's jump into today's episode. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. I am just so honored and so excited to jump into conversation today with Danica Breisha. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You are the co-founder or main founder or co-founder co-founder, yeah. co-founder of Model Meals. Yeah. And I think the first time that we met was at Aubrey's Sweat Sessions and mm-hmm. we all went and got brunch afterwards. Yes, that's right. I was actually trying to think about that today. It was so nice to meet you then yeah. and kind of stay in each other's lives since then. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today because following along on your journey and having only like met you a couple months ago, but like really diving into your story has opened up one, just a lot of like places of awareness and I guess relation Mm -hmm. in my own life Mm -hmm. and my own story and has opened my eyes to, I think, how similar we all really Mm -hmm. are when we like peel back enough of the layers and are vulnerable and honest enough. And Mm -hmm. I think that you do a beautiful job at that. So I cannot wait to jump into conversation with you today. (laughs) Thank you. I can't wait to. Thank you for having me. So you obviously are dressed absolutely gorgeous and your background (laughs) is 
modeling and you still model and you created model meals. So I want to hear your whole story of getting into modeling, your journey. Yeah. I know that you started model meals in New York, but how has it turned into this beautiful, like service-driven business that it is today? Well, I will get to that, but I just have to point out that I love that you have this cozy white couch, Ron, and I'm, all I can think about is my nasty dog. I have a 200-pound mastiff, and like how this would just be covered in drool. So I'm like, re- I'm really embracing right now how cute this, this oh, space is. Thank you. Well, I have to say that we went through a whole process of <laughs> bleaching the couch. Like, oh, really? Like last week, because oh. this one just like... <laughs> Well, it looks great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm um, very proud. <laughs> so you should be. Um, so yeah, so I modeling, gosh, like to rewind and try and be concise, as concise as possible with this. I spent, I was a bigger girl growing up and I diet, cult, I spent a lot of time in diet culture, Atkins, Weight Watchers, like all that sort of stuff. And I decided young that my worth was dependent upon how I looked and especially my weight. And so I spent most of my life trying to lose weight so that I could be enough so that guys would like me so that I was worthy. So, you know, it was a very, um, celebrity driven time when we drove up, when we grew up, I feel like. So it was very much, and I mean, you didn't see, I didn't see curvy women on the media. I didn't see anyone who looked like me. Um, and so I thought that my body was wrong. And so if I can just lose weight, then I'll be happy. I'll be enough. That's when my life will start. And so I spent all this time on Atkins and Weight Watchers and ultimately eventually started throwing up. And I was bulimic throwing up like eight times a day and got into cocaine and alcohol and drugs. I mean, really anything I possibly heard that could help me lose weight, that could help me not be hungry. Um, I would try and be anorexic and I couldn't do it. And then I'd binge on thousands of calories and I'd throw them up and then I'd, you know, do cocaine, whatever it is. And my ultimate goal during all of this time time was that one day, if I could lose enough weight, I could be a model. And it was just this, like, and it was the, pa- it was passion, right? We always say like, I want to find my passion. Or I want to find my purpose. And I decided that was mine, that I was going to be a model someday. And that the way to get there is to lose this weight that's holding me back, you know? And so no one ever told me that that bodies are different sizes. Like people have different, their bones are different sizes, right? Like I have a size 11 foot. My bones are bigger. I'm five foot 10. I'm a larger girl, you know? And um, and so I spent all this time trying to lose weight. And I remember I, I went to college, came out of college, I was living in LA. And I, I finally got to this point, looking back on the last 10 years, 15 years of the obsession, like all of my energy had been put into this journey of weight loss. And I was more or less the same size I'd always been, right? I'd lost weight here and there and I'd gain it back and whatever. But more or less, I was still a size 14, which I'd been for so long. And I kind of just had enough. I finally hit that breaking point. I was like, enough is enough. And so I sort of surrendered. And I said, you know what? The only thing I haven't tried to lose weight is not trying to lose weight. Mm. That's like literally the only thing I haven't tried. So I'm just going to surrender. And so I sort of just surrendered. And a couple months later, I was at Bank of America over in uh, on La Brea, and I had some modeling agents come up to me and ask me if I'd ever thought about plus size modeling. And I was just sort of like, it was just that that sort of God moment. And that moment to me, well, I, I, anyway, moral of the story, I said, you know, no slash yes, but I ended up signing with them. And all of a sudden I was modeling for Forever 21 and Target and Kohl's and all these big brands at my existing size, at a size 14, at the size that I didn't have to 
make myself miserable to stay at. It was where my body sort of surrendered. And I always say that's the moment in my life where I was reminded that we can really get in our own way. Mm-hmm. That when we surrender, when we stop trying to be something that we're not, the dream that we want will typically come true in a way that's much more gentle for us in a way that's much more intuitive and feminine and flowy, right? So anyway, signed with them, eventually signed with Wilhelmina Models. And now I'm with IMG Models in New York. Um, and I've been modeling now since 2011. So eight years as a plus size model, curvy model. The industry's changed dramatically, um, which has been in the best possible way. The diversity, the it's just really, really cool to see. Um, and I am, I'm, a size, I'm about size 12, 14, I'm five foot 10 and, and my body settles here. So it's a really peaceful place to be. And I get to do this thing I always wanted to do and be the girl I always needed to see without being in a miserable situation. So um, model meals came about because I'd moved up to New York. I was modeling um, with Wilhelmina models at the time. And I found something called the Whole30. And the Whole30 to me, um, it was a 30-day sort of clean eating thing that was just a reset. And I'd moved to a new city from LA. I'd just gotten there like end of December. And I really wanted to, I looked at my life and I'd been partying a lot. And I, I just, I had that that like deep knowing of that, that I had more potential and I wasn't living at it. And that I had to change something. The definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I knew that I was I was expecting to wake up the next day in my life to be different, but I wasn't changing anything. And so I thought, I want to do a sober January. Stumbled upon the Whole30. It was kind of like just kind of retraining you how to eat whole foods again. Um, there was no counting anything. There was none of that like obsession piece of it. And so I did it. And at the end of those 30 days, like my life just totally transformed. I had absolutely no idea that food could impact your experience and especially your brain function and mental clarity in the way that it did. And I had spent, you know, some, quite some time, t- uh, I was diagnosed ADHD. I was on Adderall, like all that and changing how I ate transformed my ability to focus, my mental clarity, my alignment with myself in ways that were so beyond any prescription pill I'd ever taken. So I got off everything. Um, I, ha- I did lose weight, right? But it, it, it ended up not being about that. I, I, it was my skin was glowing, my hair and nails changed over time. And more than anything else, I had mental clarity. Mm. And the mental clarity that came from changing my physical habits allowed me to look at my spiritual, emotional, mental health. And so I got to look at my food relationship and realize um, not just what am I eating, but how and why am I eating? Why am I eating when I'm not hungry? Why am I using food to not feel the things I don't want to feel? Finally, kind of started understanding that I was using food like any drug addict was uses drugs or any alcoholic was using alcohol. There were nights when I, I remember a night I binged on 10,000 calories of Whole30 foods. That's like apples eggs, like celery, like almond butter, you know? And I realized it wasn't about the food. It was like, it mattered to a certain extent that my vessel was clear enough to understand. But what it was really about was how and why I was eating. And there was a lot of emotions that I wasn't dealing with and that I was shoveling down. Mm -hmm. And so I got into a program called Overeaters Anonymous, which is essentially like an AA, but for people who use food as a drug got into that program, really started looking at that emotional relationship with food, got into some therapy with that. Um, and simultaneously, I really, I realized that changing what I ate gave me the freedom and the mental clarity to look at how and why, which gave me the ultimate freedom of self-alignment, self-knowledge. And so I thought I really need to, I have to find a way to help people. And people had seen my physical transformation. I'd lost a bunch of weight. I actually lost most of my modeling jobs because I was a little more extreme at first with this. And, um, and I lost about 30 or 40 pounds and 
went from making six figures modeling to nothing overnight. So I was sort of like, okay, like I'm not going to gain weight intentionally. Definitely not going to try and lose weight because I've been down that road for way too long. And so I was like, I'm just going to surrender, let myself be where I am with this journey I'm on and find another way to make money. And so it turned into, I'm going to cook this food that I'm making for myself that people are asking me about. I've been sharing my journey on social and all that. And um, and I and I just started cooking meals in my apartment and delivering to them to people around New York. And I called it Model Meals because I wanted to be a role model. I wanted to model how to live and eat cleaner. And so I just started doing that. And I was having, I mean, that was my first entrepreneurial experience. And I was having the time of my life, but I was making no money. I was renting my place on Airbnb on the weekends so that I could make a little bit of money. And then I was working at a ju- at Juice Press, um, you know, at like, and I was just living the West Village of New York in my own apartment. Like it just doesn't add up. And so by the end of that year of living in New York, I got to this point where I was just super in debt and realized I had to make some changes. And so had to bite the bullet. And at age, I think I was probably around 28, I moved back to Southern California and into my parents' garage where I would live for two years. I didn't know at the time I'd be living there for two <laughs> years, but lived in my parents' garage for two years while I and brought on a business partner for Model Meals. Um, really worked on my relationship with food, my mental health, slowly but surely built up the business, slowly but surely rebuilt my modeling career. And, you know, day by day paid off six figures of debt until I eventually was able to move out. But during that time, during this time in New York and living in my parents' garage in my like darkest times is when I created these specific systems for self-care. I created this thing called the self-care checklist and it was a way to monitor my habits, you know, with addiction and all that. And it became the tool that set me free because it built in manifestation. It was the accountability tool that I took all of these things that I knew I was supposed to do in this knowledge culture. And I found a system to actually stay accountable to them and do them every day, even in the smallest way. And that's what changed my life. And I get to sit here today and my businesses, I lived in my parents' garage three years ago. My businesses have um, done over $10 million in revenue in the last three years. So it's pretty incredible what self-care and the work that you do in this space, like there's there's proof. Like this stuff works. It's a lot deeper and it's a lot more real. Maybe it doesn't feel so measurable, but it really, really works. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that that's what's so cool and why I love highlighting people's stories and just like the power of storytelling is that, yeah, someone could start following you today and see everything that you've built and be like, oh, well, she could have just done this overnight. But like, no, there was a grind there. There was a lot of having to like swallow a piece of humble pie and go back Mm -hmm. to living at your parents' house and like in a position where you would not choose to necessarily do that, but had to do it in order to make it um, successful or maybe not even know that it was going to be successful, but at least put your heart into something and, you know, take these practices that we all talk about and we all preach on Instagram and Instagram stories, but like actually do them and consistently do them over time Mm -hmm. to make the like bigger buildup of, success and bigger mm-hmm. buildup of mindfulness and awareness mm-hmm. and really shift the behaviors that were once really destructive to you, but now fuel your story mm-hmm. and fuel the reason why you're doing what you're doing mm-hmm. and supporting other people in service. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, like you said, it's not, it wasn't pretty there for a while. Like I was in really dark days and I feel 
you know, I, 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 I was on my knees, you know, like, and they say that in the recovery rooms, my partner's in recovery as well. He's a, uh, was a drug addict and, um, we actually really connected over, over our, our own recovery journeys, because I think that, um, there are some tools, some people, people who are sober or have gone through that, through that process and have done the work to work their steps or, you know, it doesn't have to be through AA traditionally, but are some of the most in my, my eyes, conscious, evolved, incredible people I've ever met. And, and I remember like just being sort of on my knees and I wasn't a super religious or spiritual person at the time. And I, but when you get to a rock bottom, like I was living in my parents' garage, I was six figures in debt. I was still binging. So I remember I went and I bought like, like, and I had, I'm in debt. Right. And people don't talk about the fact that when you're uh, a food addict, you're spending the same amount of money on food that people are you spending on drugs and alcohol. Like I was, I was going to the grocery store and putting myself a hundred dollars more in debt by buying a bunch of, of food, hiding under my covers, locking the door, terrified that someone would walk in and catch me using, you know? Yeah. And, and I believe deeply that food addiction is a very big issue in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I mean, it all stems from the fact that we don't, we, we are not taught to properly deal with our emotions yeah. to process them. We we don't have the support. We weren't raised with the privilege of having that sort of support. A lot of people weren't. And so I needed, I needed to see hope when I was at that point. And that's what I love about social media. And this time is because, and the, the, that people are being vulnerable and real and sharing, because when you are in the depths of something to see someone that you can relate to, who says, I've been there and I'm on the other side and there's hope, like that, that's what kept me going. Yeah. Like, I, and, and there was, there's always a part that was disbelief. I was like, eh, she's, has she really been here though? Has it been, was it this bad for her? But, but just seeing those little glimmers of that people who've overcome things and gone to the other side, like it gave me hope if she can do it, I can too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it, we all want to think that we're special in our victimization, yeah. you know, yeah. and we are all special, but we're also not special at all. Yeah. So last night I made Corey and I Beam's dream blend elixirs before bed. And he literally looked at me as we were reading as if he was like floating on a cloud and said, I've never felt so relaxed before. Is this just CBD? Needless to say, we're sipping on dream blends tonight before bed too. And if you guys have been following me on Instagram, checking my stories nightly, then you know I've been ending basically every single night with Beam's CBD dream blend. Oh my God, you guys. It is too good not to share with you. And to answer Corey's question, it's not just CBD. It's nano CBD powder, which is extremely rare and highly absorbable, L-theanine, magnesium, reishi, melatonin, and cacao. It's super effective. I sleep like a baby and it tastes so good. My sleep arsenal of tools for dreaming through the night has been massively upgraded because of Beam. And if you have a sweet tooth, this is really the perfect way to end your night. They also have a clarity blend for morning time, which replaces coffee. And one of my resolutions is to actually get rid of coffee at least once a week in the new year. So clarity blend is literally perfect for that. Okay, so you'll get 15% off of your order. You're welcome. When you go to beamtlc.com and use the code AVA15 at checkout. Check out the Dream Blend or the Clarity Blend and their entire line of products because I love them all so much by visiting beamtlc.com. And again, you can use my code AVA15 for 15% off of your order. Again, that's AVA15 for 15% off of your order at beamtlc.com. 
get the dream blend. You're not going to regret it. And before we jump back into the episode, a lot of you have been asking me about my website, who designed it, where my logo came from, how it all came together. Well, luckily for my bank account, I designed it, I edited it and built out everything from choosing complementary colors to fonts and even the layout. Listen, graphic design and web design seems really scary and complicated, but it's really not. I think it's super fun, and every time I run into an issue, I always treat it as an opportunity for growth. Before I launched the podcast and started coaching women one-on-one, I actually worked in graphic design and web development, so I have a ton of experience and support all of my clients in learning how to do it themselves, but I'll let you in on a little secret. Skillshare is my go-to for any support when it comes to learning new ways to update my website, create new graphics, and enhance my digital brand. It's the beginning of a new year, and now is the time to finally launch that website and build your own brand. Don't let I don't know get in the way or overwhelm you. Instead, opt for Skillshare and empower yourself with knowledge like the thousands of other students like myself. Plus, an annual subscription is only $10 a month compared to the thousands of dollars you can invest on a web developer. My advice is to save that money on a coach and use Skillshare for all of the nitty-gritty graphic design and website design questions that you might have. I've been loving the illustration course called Drawing on Everything. If you've ever seen those cute Instagram doodles on photos, you'll love this course too as a way to make your brand really stand out on social. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of The Alchemized Life, and they are incredible enough to be gifting all of you two free months of a premium membership when you go to Skillshare.com forward slash Alchemized. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Go to Skillshare.com forward slash Alchemized to take advantage of this offer. Again, it's two months of a premium membership when you go to Skillshare.com forward slash Alchemized today. I'd love to dig into that a little bit because what I've found as I've gone through my own journey, which initially I don't think I was ever an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. but I would turn to alcohol in the times when I didn't want to deal with my emotions. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely gotten better at, well, I don't drink at all right now, but I've definitely gotten better over time at like getting rid of those vices. Mm -hmm. So before, before, um, it was first alcohol. After that, it was pot. Yeah. And um, now I'm seeing the technology addiction be the numbing, mm. though, which mm-hmm. is interesting because there's the double-edged sword of like, yeah. yes, it's beautiful that yeah. we are able to connect with people and see other people, but we can also use technology to numb ourselves, 100%. you know? And so for now, for me, when I'm feeling something uncomfortable, I'll be like, okay, no, I'm not going to get that hard kombucha. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to smoke pot, but then I'll go and grab my phone yeah. or I'll turn on something on Netflix. So yeah. when we talk about like allowing ourselves to process emotions, what is what have been the practices for you, like from your self-care checklist that yeah. have not turned you from one addiction to another? Yes. That's a great question. And I also love that you were asking for tactical advice because I think that's what it comes down to. Like that's kind of what we were, I was, we were talking about earlier is like this knowledge. We're in this knowledge culture, which is great, but it's action that matters. Mm-hmm. So I would say, and I'm far from perfect with this, like I'm the first person to, because for me, it was such a victory that I stopped reaching for food 
But then it was like, let me find like a solitaire game on my phone. And, and to be honest, sometimes that's how I deal with things yeah. is I take, I go and I play my spider solitaire game. And in the grand scheme, I look at it and say, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. You know, that's just how I'm taking care of myself right now. And it's okay. But it's, I think it's a merging of having some healthy coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. right? Where it's not, it's not social media or something like that, but some healthy mechanisms that are maybe like, a a yellow level, right? And then a green level might be something like taking a walk, calling a friend, journaling, meditating, pausing, like counting to 60. You know what I mean? Like I always say it's like that sacred pause. When we we learn how to use the sacred pause, we get that second to decide what serves us, right? Mm -hmm. But I would say like for me emotionally, journaling was a really big gift for me. Something that I needed to hear when I started, so maybe someone out there needs to hear it, is don't journal as if you're documenting your life and one day you're going to read it again and it's about that. Journaling is about the present moment. It's about taking the energy, thoughts and emotions are and are tangible. They take physical form. That's the reason when we cry, tears come out, right? We can. The reason you can feel feelings is because energy is tangible. It's not this woo-woo thing. It takes physical form. And so it makes sense. If you're someone, I'll use my, my own story as an example. If you're someone who is eating to, if feeling comes up and picture it coming up from your stomach, up your chest, into your throat, and then you're like, oh, I don't want to feel that. And then you take food and you push it back down and you mm-hmm. watch that feeling go back to your stomach. It doesn't just dissipate or disappear. It just lives and, and it, and it we, we, it takes physical form. So whether it takes physical form as extra weight, as stress, as disease, as illnesses, whatever it is. And so it's really about letting the emotions up and taking and, and out. And so for me, writing that down on, like getting those up and out onto paper, it's like we take the energy out of our body and we put it onto paper. Mm-hmm. We give it, we put it to somewhere else, right? And you can throw that piece of paper away. Talking to your friends gets it up, up and out or a loved one or someone you trust. Um, you know, just kind of like moving emotional emotions are emo or are um energy in motion mm-hmm. you know and so a lot of times that's why i believe in physical movement i used to work out just because i thought i could be skinny and have a six-pack never had one don't know if i ever will but anyway it's all about for me movement now is about is moving that energy through my body and out so mm-hmm. it's not stagnant like sitting in my body and causing anxiety yeah i love that one of the things that i've been doing whenever i go to any like type of workout class but specifically i'll go to like berries mm-hmm. and i don't like running. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not a runner Same. at all. Um, but for whatever reason, I think I joked about this on another podcast, being in like the dark red lights, having my sports bra on, seeing my boobs jumping up and down <laughs> in the mirror. Like it's just this vibe. But I also like at, when I go there and I'm like wanting to like move through something yeah. as I'm running, I'm like visualizing myself running towards freedom mm. and like making that the intention that I am running away from or letting go of the emotions that have been holding me back, that I'm yeah. moving that energy and that my intention with every single step that I take is to move closer to freedom and move away from the feelings that have been weighing me down. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. It's been really powerful. So talking about like addiction itself, obviously within your relationship, it's been a big topic that you've discussed publicly as well as within each other. As addiction takes on different forms within the relationship and within yourself, especially because you can be addicted to the relationship too, how has your awareness 
shifted since you first began this recovery process? And how has it shifted being in relationship with someone else who does have an addiction problem? I would say, and I am like such a novice, we've been together three years um, off and on. We've dealt with infidelity. We've dealt with relapse. We've dealt with quite a bit, but we love each other and we keep choosing each other. And, you know, we'll see how long, I hopefully that's a lifelong thing, but I can't say who's, neither of us could say that. Um, I'm just, I want to preface my partners there has shared his story publicly and has given me permission to share parts of, you know, I'm not going to go into detail, but he does speak openly about it. So I'm not giving away yet. I just want to justify that because I really take that seriously, the anonymity of people going through that process. But we really think as a, as a team, as, as people who've been through recovery ourselves, we think it's really important to talk about it, to reduce some of the stigma and to show people that there are solutions you know, and there's options out there and it's different for everyone, but there are options. So I think talking about it's important. Um, my big thing right now, so I'm going to Al-Anon meetings, which is meant for people with loved ones in, in recovery. Um, and it's just been really interesting, you know, especially as addicts, it's super easy for each other to now be that drug. You know what I mean? That like soothes and calms. Yeah. I'm very lucky because Billy works a really hard program. Like he, he's in therapy every week. He goes to meetings almost every single day. He lives in sober living. So he has that structure. We don't live together right now. So I would say I learn, I learn a lot from him. Like when he is working his program and he is diligent with it. Wow. Like, does it shine a mirror for me to really pay attention to how, I mean, I'm like the, I want to control everything. Same. Right. And I, it's so funny. Like how many times have I said the serenity prayer, which is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I have heard and said that prayer a million times, not maybe not a million, but you know, for some reason it, it just like clicked for me the other day. And I was like, oh, this is not just about me changing someone's addiction. This is change on the most micro level. Yeah. It's the idea that I think I can change other people or that I know better than other people. And I I project that onto my partner so much. And so that's, a, I would say that's the space that I'm really working on is the wisdom to know the difference, mm -hmm. changing what I can about my own life, really taking back as someone who works in the space of like holding space, coaching and running businesses. It's very easy to get in the energy, uh, the masculine energy, energy too, but to get in the energy of telling of like being the solutions person. I know best, or here's how I would do it, you know? And, and I think the more I realize is just, we have to back up and let people make their own decisions and listen yeah. and help maybe ask questions that help them come to their own answers and, but be supportive and loving. And like, and that's something that I suck at, not suck at, but I'm the, the, working the, the, on. the, 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 the yeah, I'm working on not <laughs> of trying to give so much, give advice and yeah. not trying to change and give people, this is how I would do it. Mm -hmm. I would just like to hold space for them to figure out how they want to do it. Yeah. You know, I love that we're having this conversation right now because that's one of the big revelations that I've had in my own relationship. Mm -hmm. I realize that I point the finger a lot and having taken a lot of time over these past couple of weeks to like not have anything on my schedule, go down mm -hmm. to the beach and meditate and journal and like not be around people mm -hmm. and not talk to like my mom or friends about what was going on. Mm -hmm. I really realized I had to like turn the finger around and point it on myself and realized how my need for control mm -hmm. is 
creating this like ripple effect into expectations of the people in my life. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like my control comes from like wanting to not have chaos in my life mm-hmm. because the last time I was out of control, my life was mayhem. Yeah. And so it's this like fear and wanting to feel safe and wanting to feel held. Mm-hmm. But these are all things that are like me. Mm-hmm. It's not my partner. And yeah. so I think that when we for those that are listening, like if you point out a lot of different things that like your partner could shift or change, it's also a really like beautiful practice to be like, wait, these are likely things that I should be shifting and changing yeah. within myself. Yes. And I have to like, I, I got to turn it on myself so many times. Yeah. And God, I just always come back to like, wow, he's so patient with me. Like, wow, like, how does he deal with the amount of, you know, let's do it this way and that way. No, take that road. No, that's going to get us there faster. No, that's the Christmas tree, whatever. Like, he's so easygoing, you know? And so it's it's beautiful. Like, we were talking about we're mirrors for each other. And I have no doubt, you know, now we're we're hard on ourselves with this conversation, right? But I guarantee there's so many things that we bring up in positive ways that mirror them, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think that's why we get in relationship with people is that we, we are there to grow each other. Yeah. And so it's been a gift, but it's hard. And I want to always, like, I'm not in therapy right now. And I always, um, I almost always am working the last five years. I've always been working with someone. So whether it's like a one-on-one coach, or I've been in like a mastermind, that's pretty intimate, or I'm like, and I have my sponsor, but I like to always be working with someone for on my emotional mental health, mm-hmm. no matter what, it doesn't matter how peaceful my life is or whatever. Like, I just think it's a healthy space and it keeps us from bringing all of that to our partner or to our friends, you know, like it's just, I think it's just healthy therapy and that sort of experience. So I'm going to probably get back into something like yeah. that. But. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's important to like shed a light on like that you are working with people consistently because I think that there's a stigma around being in therapy too. You know, I know that a lot of people think that if you're in therapy or like couples counseling, um, whatever it might be, whether it's on your own or like with another person that like things have gotten out of hand or things have gotten Mm -hmm. that bad. And that's like not really the case actually. (laughs) It's a way to really just like see your shit and work through it without having to hit rock bottom or having to create this whole mess in your life. Absolutely. I think my life, the most chaotic times in my life are when I haven't been working with someone. Oh, yeah. And, and as you, you know, I think you maybe you end up in therapy depending on your, some people grew up going to it, which I think is amazing. But for my, my situation, I ended up in it because I was desperate and I was at a really dark bottom But then now I'm in this space where I use it as a preventative measure Mm -hmm. because I know that if I get in there first, then I avoid the chaos like we're talking about. So I think I agree. I think it's I think everyone should be in therapy. And and just like to pitch this, I I, there's a lot of free options out there. So if you're someone who can't afford it, like there are so many great support groups, whether it's grief or addiction or whatever, that like a lot of local hospitals just search stuff out because there's a lot of ways to get that connection, those experiences, that support, even if you don't have a dollar to spend on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's really important. And thank you for bringing that up. So I want to talk to you about acceptance and also just like embracing your struggle because Mm -hmm. I've talked to a couple people lately that have been looking at their struggle and the more shadowy parts of their story Mm -hmm. as these like heavy weights or like ball and chain to really being a full expression of themselves. And what I love about your own journey and similar to my journey as well is that my struggle and the 
shadowy parts that potentially don't like look great on paper have really fueled my message and my why and my mission. And, um, you know, it's kind of like my street cred. Um, so I'd love to just hear about your take on just like acceptance of self and embracing your struggle along the way and how Mm -hmm. that served you, um, in your business as well as your personal relationships. Yeah. So I would say the ability to be vulnerable. I remember reading like um, Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. That was one of the bigger, like the first sort of books I read on vulnerability and the actual, po- like seeing it as a positive thing. I didn't really grow up in a family or com- just like I didn't grow up being vulnerable. I was always the happy friend, the class clown, whatever, just to, you know, keep the peace. And when I started sharing the re- my reality and getting vulnerable, it was like people, not only did it not push people away, it drew people closer. I was like a magnet. People just were craving these real connections. They were, people were craving, I didn't drink that entire, you know, I, I really have been sober for the most part of the last five years, but that first year when I did the whole 30 and then kind of spent the whole year in New York, I was sober the whole time. And I would, you know, I would still go to clubs sometimes. I just dance and party sober, I get soda water. But for the most part, if I was getting together with people, I'd have them come over and we'd have like tea at my house. And it was like so beautiful. I realized through that process, people are craving alternative opportunities to connect. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they don't want to just go to a bar or go out to dinner and consume. It's just that no one is suggesting other things. I think for me, yeah, it's the vulnerability has been a big piece of what I've built. I also want to mention that I believe we all have unique situations that serve us for whatever we're meant to do. So if you don't have that sort of struggle. Like I think nowadays it's almost like, well, everyone has these, these stories and it's almost like, what's your, like, it's like almost like street cred, like you said, to have a story, but I don't want to discredit people. You know, I grew up in a really great home and I have a lot of privilege. You know, I do not, I've worked with thousands of women. My story is like, not even, it makes me be like, Oh, I mean, like, you know, but everyone's story is valid. So if you grew up in a home where you had money and your parents were super present and emotionally available and you have a trust fund, that doesn't make you any less off or less less deserving of the success. Just look at the position you're in and think, why was I given this? Mm -hmm. And use that to fuel whatever your desires are, right? And I think that's like, I want to find that nice balance for people, right? Because a lot of, I've heard some heavy, heavy stories and oh my gosh, the people, the resilience and the courage. But then I think it also leaves a lot of people feeling like, well, I don't have the story, so then I'm not worth like, do should I even try this? And mm-hmm. and I want to remind them too that like everyone can meet us on a specific level. So the your message, Ava, maybe there's some people who hear it from you and it just resonates so deeply. I could say the same thing, and someone doesn't, or and they're like, what is she talking about? Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. We all align with different people, different experiences, and so I think it's just a reminder that there is always someone who needs to hear your story from your experience that can relate to it from you versus someone else. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's just, I really believe in sharing and sharing our stories, whether it's a story of privilege or it's a story of abuse and neglect and, and a lot of painful things. I really believe that there's someone out there who needs that. Um, and we're all here for a specific reason. Yeah. And the the most selfish thing we can do is not give that gift to the world, whatever it looks like. It can be selling out Madison Square Garden, or it can be being a mom to that kid. Yeah. 
You know, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I always say, you know, like, it doesn't matter what your story is. If you've felt the same underlying emotions, then you have a story to tell. Like, regardless, you have a story to tell. And like you said, like, people are going to resonate with you. Someone Mm -hmm. might resonate with you that doesn't resonate with me. And it's a tragedy if you get stuck in the who am I to tell my story and prevent yourself from actually stepping out and saying, you know what? This is my story. This is what I'm passionate about. This is how I want to change the world. This is how I want to impact people. Um, Who cares if you have a trust fund or you you don't have a trust fund? I think it kind of goes back to intention. Mm -hmm. Like what is your intention and what is your why for doing all of these things? And if you are coming from this like heart-centered space of wanting to just like help and serve people, mm-hmm. that's way more important than the story itself. Yeah. That's what connects with people. Absolutely. I don't know about you, but I feel like when I turned 27, my sleep quality just went down the drain. I've talked about it before, but it feels like almost every night I'm tossing and turning and waking up at random hours throughout the night. The good old days of being young and sleeping through the entire night. I want them back. So, of course, being the wellness warrior that I am, I set out to find a solution to my sleep problems. And while it's been a journey, I have to share with you Remrise. Whether you've been having trouble falling asleep or are like me and can't stay asleep, Remrise has a whole array of solutions personalized for your sleep health. And listen, I've done sleep aids that knock you out, but waking up groggy in the morning is almost worse than a mediocre night's sleep. And a big part of why I love Remrise is because it's a natural and plant-based formula to help calm the mind, relax the body, and get your circadian rhythm back on track for a better, more restorative sleep. They also have a free sleep quiz on their website, which is super illuminating as to the different sleep profiles. After I took it, I received the recommendation to take their at-ease formula, which addresses restlessness and waking up in the middle of the night, hence the tossing and turning. They also have an app to track your performance, and I must say, I've started getting eight hours of sleep every single night, which leaves me feeling so ready to take on the next day. If you struggle with sleep, you got to check out Remrise today. Go to getremrise.com slash alchemized, take their sleep quiz, and when you sign up, you'll get your first week of Remrise for free, just have to pay the shipping. This offer is exclusive to Alchemize Life podcast listeners. So again, to get your first week of Remrise for free when you sign up at getremrise.com forward slash alchemized. Again, that's getremrise.com forward slash alchemized. I'll link them in the show notes too. So I want to talk to you a little bit about perception. Again, going back to like the technology thing and then also Mm -hmm. being in the modeling industry Mm -hmm. and now being on social media and having this big brand. How has your perception of beauty and of success shifted since you first began? And how do you monitor your own like perspective and kind of like make sure that you're staying in alignment with like your core values Mm -hmm. and not bringing yourself to a space of ever like comparing or um, going to those like shoulds of, oh, I should be doing this or I should Mm -hmm. be doing that. Like, what does your process look like? Well, I'm not very good at it. No, (laughs) just, I mean, truth be told, I think we all, I think we all struggle with that, you know, like it's, and comparison can be not like, it doesn't, it's not always as obvious as we think it is, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so 
from the body image perspective, social media was actually one of my greatest gifts in finding self-love because what happened, we, we forget sometimes that we can control what we consume. And so my newsfeed early on was I was following all these curvy models in the plus size modeling industry who were celebrating their bodies and confident. They looked gorgeous and stunning. And I was like, wow. And so slowly but surely, they gave me permission to share the same, to step out, to dress myself well, to show my curves, whatever. And all of a sudden, I was a body positive icon. And I was like, what? You know, and people are like, I love yours. Just you inspire me. You should. And, and it was because what I was the con- the consumption I had on one my on one end of the channel was all these curvy women. I thought everyone was doing it, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the people who weren't in that industry who were just seeing me and had met me in some capacity in some li- part of life or whatever. They're like, wow, because they weren't see- they weren't so close to it, and so so it became it became social has been such a gift, and and ninety nine point nine percent of social media for me is a gift. Like the opportunities, the connections, it is what has, it's the, only, the reason I am where I am today, you know? And and for me, I just naturally like to share. I love sharing my journey in hopes that it helps someone else. And what a gift because, you know, I can go on vacation and say, hey, we're going to be in this area. And I have the best freaking experience because people tell me their favorite thing they did there. And I compile everyone's favorite things and I have the best freaking trip, right? So that's just one example. The other piece of social media that I appreciate, but also can be painful, is the ability of people to access you and tell that tell you how they feel about whatever you're doing. But for the most part, I will say those moments, as much as they hurt when someone reaches out and says, hey, that thing you said evokes a lot of privilege, or this could be using the word psycho. I know you just were kidding, but that that can actually really offend someone that, you know. And so what I try and do in those situations is like pause. I never respond right away, especially if I'm here. I have to like really pause. Yeah. And, and if I'm getting really upset about something, it's because there's some truth there. There's something there, right? And I have to pause and I really am so grateful. And it, and it doesn't necessarily change how I act, right? Because I cannot be at the mercy of protecting everyone's feelings. Yeah. You know, that's not our job to protect everyone because we can't. We cannot make everyone happy because one thing that offends some, it just, it doesn't work that way. But, but what I will say is it has made me so much more conscious of everyone's unique situations mm-hmm. so that when I speak, I can speak in a way that I address the fact that a mom with, uh, newborn twins watching my self-care routine is like, that's not possible. Like I can't do that, you know? And so it allows me to speak to, I think a wider range of people. And so I'm so grateful for that. You're under a microscope for yeah. sure. Um, but in terms of perception, like as I show it, I try and really do a good job. Um, and I don't know that I am, but I try and do my best to show all sides of my life, all like just to be authentic in what's going on. It's why we shared our breakup and we shared about the infidelity. The infidelity was probably the hardest. Oh my God, did that challenge every piece of my ego of the chubby little girl who the guys didn't like? Yeah. Like it brought up all my old shit and it had nothing to do with me. Yeah. You know? And and so it's just pers- like I just I really try and be and sh- be real. 
But back to sort of this conversation about technology addiction, I have to be really intentional about scheduling time away. And so every Monday I take social media off. I'm not on social on Mondays. Um, and I bring someone on who's a guest expert mm-hmm. who talks about a certain subject that someone might not, pelvic floor health, right? Yeah. You know, like, and it's really cool because it gives, I get to give a big platform of loving people. My community is amazing. It's like all women. It's like so loving. Men are welcome, but you know, and they get to go on and, and speak to an audience who might not already know them and get opportunities, you know? Whole30 gave me that opportunity years ago when, you know, I would go on and do a takeover and I'd get all these followers, you know, and that's a lot of how I grew my community. So now I can, it can be a win-win. I get the day off social, but I'm also providing people with really cool content and I'm providing someone else with the opportunity to speak to who's, who's, has amazing content and experience and value who just doesn't necessarily have the platform to use it, you know? So Anyway, I think you just have to be really careful about what you consume and take ownership over the fact that you can control what you see. Yeah. You can mute, you can unfollow, you can like, but but it comes back to this self-awareness of being able to stay in your body and tap into how do I feel when when I see that person's post? How do I feel when I see that person's post? Is it triggering me? Even if it's not, a, doesn't feel negative, but you're comparing. Mm-hmm. Is that serving you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's like when you talk about like the nuances of comparison, because I think a lot of us within the wellness space can be like, oh no, I'm not like comparing myself. Like, oh, she can do this. I can't do this. I think it's more, like I said, like the shoulds of like, oh, she's doing this. So I should be doing this too. Um, And this like overwhelm of, I need to be doing all of these different things because these other people are doing these and I don't want to miss out on opportunities and I want to be successful too. And if she's doing it this way and has found success this way, then maybe I will as well. I think that's been the biggest struggle for me, especially being in LA is just like my energy being pulled in all of these different directions because I see so many phenomenal women that I don't think are better than me. But that I actually think are very similar to me. And it excites me to see them doing well and makes me think, oh my gosh, like if she's doing that, then I can be doing that too. But at a certain point, it turns into this like weird nuanced comparison where I'm starting to do things that aren't authentically myself, you know? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and I I think there's two sides of this coin. and, And I honestly don't know what the answer is because I feel that, it's really important for us to shine our brightest light because it gives other people permission that they can too. I just posted about this the other day, this idea, if she can, I can too. And I was talking about how I go to, I work out in a sports bra without a shirt. I'm 200 pounds. I'm, today I was in pure bar. I was the biggest girl in that class. I was the only one in a sports bra. We did a lot of ab work. My stomach was rolling. My back was rolling, whatever, you know? And so I talked about how I don't do that. I mean, I do it because I think I look good and I'm like, it's like empowers me, but I also do it because I want other curvy women or just women in general to see me and say, if she can do that, I can too. She looks great. She's confident, you know, like, and so, so I love the fact that if we share, if we are sharing our successes and the possibilities it gives someone else the opportunity to do the same. So someone, I, the people I follow on social, someone that I love to follow, it's called the Bucket List Family. I don't know if you've heard of them. I it's this have, family, yeah. they have three little kids and they travel all the time, right? And they, they're very transparent about like money and that sort of stuff. But what it made me think about, like I think, I know I had this belief that if I have kids, then it's like, oh, it's so much harder to do all these things. And yes, I'm not saying it's not harder, but they made, they gave me this realm of possibility that I could do that too. Yeah. 
if they can do it, they're they're going to all these foreign countries and they're going and doing all, they're swimming with sharks and stuff. Like, why can't I do it? And it made it possible for me and it changed my whole perspective. And so I think there's this fine balance of, uh, uh, and we have to come back to ourselves. Is this empowering me that I can do it too? Or is this making me feel not enough? Right? Mm-hmm. And and that's a fear that I worry about a lot because I do do a lot, but I do a lot with a lot of help. Yeah. I have 35 employees, you know? Like I'm not, my businesses are not running by just me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I do a lot and I've had, you know, I had... I went to college, you know, I don't, I didn't have student loans. Like there's a lot of things that I had that was privileged and I want to make sure, I think, I guess it's the responsibility of sharing the process with people as well and not just the final, but it's also that balance of not, you can't, we're not in charge of someone else's perception, you know? And I think that's what it comes down to is we just have to shine our light, stay in our lane and take responsibility for like what we can control. Like we talked about the the wisdom to know the difference. I cannot control how 60,000 people are going to respond to something that I post. Yeah. I just can't, you know, and I, and I always am intentional and I always really try and be thoughtful in every word I use and everything I share, but everything I say will offend someone or will trigger something or will spark comparison. And, and if I sat there and tried to manicure my life and what I share to do that, then I would be dimming my light. I wouldn't be sharing what what I'm doing. And I would be removing the realm of possibility from someone who might be seeing my stuff and thinking, oh, she can, I can too. Mm, I love that so much. Thank you for sharing. Danica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so grateful that we were able to have this conversation. Um, For those that are listening and want to learn more about you, how can we find you? And also, how can we support you in everything that you're doing? What a great question. You can find me on danicabraisha.com or just my name at danicabraisha on Instagram. That's where I do pretty much everything. Um, My business is Model Meals. So we're at Model Meals. We serve, we're meal delivery, all um, just super clean, regenerative agriculture culture, organic, like more paleo style. Um, and we serve California, Arizona, Nevada. And we have some new projects on the horizon. Actually, it might be out by the time this airs. So we'll see. But um, yeah, just Danica Brescia. And honestly, just showing up if what I share resonates with you, being in the community, connecting with people and doing that in a loving way, like that's, that's what it is. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah.